Good morning, please. Case number 21-2441 from the Western District of Missouri, Derek Christopherson versus Robert Bushnell. May it please the court. Mr. Stubblefield. I'm Corey Stubblefield. I represent Derek and Jennifer Christopherson in this matter arising out of a catastrophic flood that occurred on their property in Ozark County, Missouri in 2017, about 40 days after they purchased it. We filed our original lawsuit against FEMA. The defendants that are at issue here, who are generally referred to as the star entities, who are FEMA subcontractors and various other individuals and entities. The trial court in this matter dismissed the claims against FEMA. We were instructed to go to the federal court of claims against FEMA. The court also dismissed the claims against the star entities based on the doctrine of obstacle preemption. And that's the subject of our appeal in this case. We're asking the court to reverse the dismissal based on obstacle preemption. The trial court essentially focused on a Fourth Circuit case called Columbia Venture. This case deals with claims against FEMA contractors. And unlike what is being suggested by the star entities, of course, it is not actual controlling precedent. It deserves great weight. But this court does not have to follow the Columbia Venture case. And I think everyone will agree that there's certainly not any case law on point directly in the Eighth Circuit that would be of controlling nature in this case. So our position is the Columbia Venture case. First of all, circumstances have changed. The facts of that case are significantly different from this case. And we submit to the court that it should not be followed. In the Columbia Venture case, the plaintiff filed an administrative review request for a FEMA flooding determination. It was upheld, undeterred. They go to federal court, file. And then the Fourth Circuit deals with the issue on appeal of this obstacle preemption. The claims were based on allegations in the Columbia Venture case that the contractors had provided a hydraulic model that was flawed and inaccurate. And the Fourth Circuit started the process of the analysis by looking at the National Flood Insurance Act when applying obstacle preemption. The NFIA was created by Congress to limit the damage caused by flood disasters through prevention and protective measures, spread the risk of flood damage among private insurers and the federal government, and make flood insurance available to those that need it. Our position here is that Columbia Venture is in opposite this case. First and foremost, the statute that provided the administrative relief in that case, 42 U.S.C. 4104, this administrative procedure, Congress took that away in 2012. This was a 2010 case. And by 2012, that was gone. And in this circumstance, we have a piece of property which we purchased in 2017. We are complaining about actions and inactions that occurred through FEMA and FEMA's subcontractors in 2010. It's, of course, 
uh, our position that there's no way for the Christoffersons, number one, to have guessed seven years ahead of time that they're going to have this this need to challenge actions that occurred in 2010. Um, likewise, it, it doesn't make any sense to suggest that you know they've got the right to send demand letters or do anything like that now. Um, they just do not have the opportunity to follow that administrative procedure uh, after 2012. And so uh, the Columbia Venture case we would submit really uh, should be limited to its specific facts uh, given the law at well, that time. Now, now this is this is done on a motion to dismiss, right? So all the facts we've got is just your complaint, right? That's okay. correct. Now, I'm, I'm confused about a very basic fact, and I do know where Ozark County is. I'm confused about a very basic fact. That is, is there even flood insurance available in Ozark County? That that there is not flood insurance. Okay. Available. Well, you say in paragraph 58 of your complaint, uh, even if you'd wanted flood insurance, they would have been able to do so. But in 100, you say in the alternative, plaintiff would have been required to purchase flood insurance, parentheses, and certainly would have done so. So how so, can you can you get do private I, I can, insurers, can you get flood insurance through private insurers down there? The, theoretically, yes. The issue here, though, is that my clients had purchased uh, had purchased this property with a federally backed mortgage, and if there if you have a federally backed mortgage, you have to get uh, flood insurance if you are in a specific flood designation. And you are correct. Uh, the the question was is flood insurance available through FEMA in Ozark County at this location? And the answer is no. And so the problem arises with, with the Christoffersons in this case because they have a federally backed mortgage. If they had known that they had been in a flood zone that would have required the flood insurance through FEMA due to the federally backed mortgage, they could not have gotten it. The loan would have failed, the sale would have failed, and we would not be here. And so, okay. So, what do you mean in paragraph one hundred? Uh, Plaintiff's been required to do flood insurance and certainly would have done so. What does your "and certainly would have done so" mean? My clients would have been happy to buy flood insurance if it was if it was available, but but because Ozark County is a non-participating community, uh, if there was a situation where they had to buy flood insurance, you can't just buy flood insurance just because you want it, you right. need to be in a situation where you got to be able to get it. And and so if they'd had the opportunity to buy flood insurance, my actually my client's an insurance agent. He values the, the ability to get insurance if he needs it. Uh, they would have been happy to buy insurance if they would have needed it. It just wasn't available. And in this particular circumstance, it turns out, at least at the time they purchased the property, based on the representations of star uh, the star entities, it wasn't in a flood zone that they needed insurance for, so it turned out, at least on the face of it, to not be a big deal until after the fact they realized, well, wait a minute, we've got we've got a situation now where we should have been in a situation where we needed, we needed to buy the flood insurance, but we couldn't. And let me ask you a question about your reply brief. In your reply brief, you have a theme of uh, stars renegade. I'll put it in plain country language. Okay. Have a comma. If you read your complaint, almost all the time you have FEMA slash star or FEMA mm -hmm. and or star or mm -hmm. FEMA comma star and somebody else. I don't think in your complaint you ever distinguish FEMA from star 
in one bit. Can you point to your complaint where you do that? Uh, honestly, no. I think uh, we, we pleaded in the complaint that FEMA and STAR had worked together. Um, I mean, STAR as a contractor well, Your, your, your reply brief has a little different flavor to it, counsel. Sure. Just, and, just and, candid. Well, and, and, and for candidly, what, what we're thinking here is that with FEMA, um, the court directed us to file a claim in the uh, the federal court of claims based on sovereign immunity. So yes, we didn't even we didn't even appeal that issue. The issue solely and only that we've appealed is against the contractors, the star entities. And uh, I, I'll just be candid with you: we did not get far very far into the case. This is a motion to dismiss. Yeah, fine. And 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 uh, my. My hope would have been that, uh, that through discovery and depositions, we right. would have been able to flesh out more, you know, was this actually FEMA, right. was this But we star? don't have that in this case because we're here on the complaint. Okay, Absolutely. Proceed, proceed with your argument. Sure. Um, I, moreover, with the, the Columbia Venture case, we believe it it's, should not be followed, that the statute changed. This is a particular kind of a weird situation where as to the star entities, we do not have... Uh, any any recourse at this point? I mean, with FEMA, yeah, fine, go to the uh, the federal court of claims. But the, with these star entities, we have no way uh, to seek recourse from them at this point, based on the the trial court's ruling. There's no way to hold them accountable, um, and and uh, based on, of course, with obstacle preemption, you have a balancing of federal interests and state interests and so forth. Uh, we believe that that uh, frankly. One of one of the things that comes to my mind that is of great importance we've already talked about, and that is in Columbia Venture, they're all about the National Flood Insurance Act. And we submit to the court that in this case, just as in the case that we cite for, for our support of our position, the Williams case, um, we do not believe the National Flood Insurance Act is really even implicated here. And and because we could not have purchased flood insurance, even of if we Of course, that is the authority it. for FEMA to hire uh, STAR, right? What's that? That is where they get the authority to hire STAR, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, they're allowed to hire subcontractors to, to assist them with, with their work. Um, very, very quickly, and I, I believe I only have about four and a half minutes left, so I will, uh, I will bank the rest of my time. All right. Thank you, Mr. Snowfield. Mr. Ginsburg. Um, thank you, Your Honor. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. May it please the court. My name is Ross Ginsburg, and I represent the Strategic Alliance for Risk Reduction, the star defendant in this case, who, which is a single-purpose entity formed for the specific purpose of supplying um, flood insurance mapping services to um, to uh, FEMA. And just on Mr. Stubblefield's last point, I would, I would direct the court to the amended complaint at paragraph 23 and 94, where jurisdiction against STAR is based on the fact that they were supplying flood insurance, supplying these services for FEMA under the NFIP. So, the uh, suggestion that the NFIP is not implicated is is um, repeatedly refuted by the council. Let me let me explore that though, because that that's what I was driving at before. Yeah. Why do the aims of the National Flood Insurance Program to spread risk and do better management and you know the things it's supposed to do? Why do those 
play in this case where this county is a county that doesn't even have flood insurance? Well, we still do mapping. So the way the, the program works, Your Honor, is that um, the, the star entity in this region performs flood mapping services to identify flood prone areas. The reason why this area is not uh, does not have flood insurance available to them is because they opt out of it. But right. the first step of it, of course, is to map the floodplain um, and that the, the flood prone areas, which is what is done by FEMA's um, contractor star here. Then if the community opts into it, they have to enact ordinances that comply with the statute. And then and then, of course, that requires people to buy flood insurance. But even in areas where there is an opt-out, FEMA's agent, uh, FEMA's contractor star is performing flood mapping services under the statute for But it the doesn't have anything to do with the insurance and it doesn't have anything to do with risk and it doesn't have to do anything with, with national policy. Well, okay. it, it, it has to do with all of those things though, Your Honor. No, it, no, it, it can't because insurance is not available. Tell, help me. Well, no, the, the point is that insurance isn't available because a decision that the community has made. Well, I, I get that, but, 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 but I'm talking about, uh, here's what I'm trying to focus you on. The obstacle preemption to me means that what would happen here, a lawsuit, mm -hmm. would obstruct the program of getting insurance and, 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 and keeping down flood and doing all this stuff. And this is in an area that doesn't have insurance. Well, I think it seems to me like we can't rely on obstacle preemption here. Yeah, well, I, I think the, the disconnect here is that the services that are being performed by STAR in this case arise under the national flood insurance policy. Now, taking so, us. But what is, what is the obstacle to the federal uh, interest? So here's the, here, there are several, Your Honor. Um, they, there is what the district court found, which is. The, if claims like this are allowed to proceed, the cost of defense and the potential exposure will be brought back to FEMA by increased contract fees. That's, that's one obstacle. Other obstacles, if you'll permit me, is if you think about how cases like this would play out. In every, every time STAR makes a flood mapping decision, there are going to be individuals who are just inside the flood zone and people who are just outside the flood zone. And each of them have the capability of being aggrieved by that decision. Folks just inside the flood zone often don't want to be because it's stigmatizing to their property and because they have to pay for flood insurance that they otherwise don't want. Folks just outside of the flood zone may feel like they're okay until the flood comes and then they wish they weren't inside the flood zone. So if you can challenge, if, if you can challenge through state court laws, the, the, the notion that the flood determination made by STAR in this case was negligent or otherwise wrongful under state law, then you're placing in the hands of the jury the ability to decide whether that floodplain determination was made correctly. So if you- The council, was it, isn't the allegation here one step further, which is it was a misrepresentation. So it's a little bit different than just the mapping itself. As I understand the plaintiff's claim is that there was some type of fraudulent misrepresentation about the change in the flood mapping, not the mapping itself, but sort of hiding information with ill intent. Isn't well, that, is that different in terms of, for purposes of obstacle preemption? I would say that I don't think that the complaint contains those facts. I know the reply brief does. 
um, and certainly not to the pleading standards that are applicable. But I well, well, and I, I I appreciate your point, but I think at least in the complaint it says misrepresentation. It, it sure does. With, um, and with the, the intent to harm. And and it says fraudulent misrepresentation too. I don't think it it is pled properly under the Iqbal Ashcroft and 9B standards. But I'm not sort. I don't want to press that too hard because I don't think that it makes a difference when obstacle preemption applies, as in your pet quarters case from the Eighth Circuit. Claims for misrepresentation and fraud and 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 those types of claims are also not properly brought because of the obstacle. Well, counsel, what if what if what if FEMA had told you to do something you did the opposite? And you know you know the defense contractor cases where the defense contractor does what the Pentagon told them not to do. You can sue the defense contractor. Those cases are legion. Uh, those uh, cases typically involve a product such as a helicopter, like in the Boyle versus. You've got a product. You've got a flood zone map. Now, what what we what we perform are professional services, and so. Oh, oh help me, counsel, counsel. This is this is this is arguing uh, uh, metaphysics or something. No, because well, no, because no. you have a product too. I don't think you could dodge it that easily. Surely, if you now it's not this case. I get it. Or I know they may think it is, but but I don't know they've pled that by because of the way they pled you at the same time. But surely, if if FEMA told you to do something, you did the opposite and it hurt somebody. They can't sue you. Well, I, you know, I I would I would. I would think not actually, but those are not the facts in this case. There is no allegation that FEMA told us to do something that we did the opposite of. But if I can get back to um, the chief judge's question about what the obstacles are, you know, if you follow it forward and we get to a jury verdict in a case where somebody who's flooded contends that they wouldn't have purchased their house had you properly mapped this and found me to be in the floodplain, then you've got a situation where the government contractor has a finding of negligence against them for their flood mapping services, which opens up them to other litigation from other similarly situated people because now they've got this negligence finding that will probably be collaterally stopped from denying. The alternative to those cases is for now the contractor to try to conform the flood elevation to the jury finding. And once you do that, you're expanding. You're expanding the group of people who are now in the floodplain because you've raised it up a foot or two feet or whatever. And those people are now eligible for the government benefit. So when you expose the contractor in a flood elevation mapping case to the whim of a jury who may likely be confused by competing uh, experts and who may be sympathetic to a plaintiff, you're putting into the hands of the jury what the proper flood elevation and the proper flood mapping should be. And you're taking that away from FEMA and the government contractor in a setting in which you're assuming to begin with that there is a reliance interest in homeowners who are just outside of the floodplain, that they should be- you, you, you show such contempt for the jury system. I, I'll remind you that the sixth and seventh and various amendments do apply to the federal government. Proceed. Yeah, there's no question about that. I, I have no contempt for the juries. What I have it sounded for. like it there. It sounded no, like I have contempt the for my, the jury. No, yeah. I have contempt for my own people, Your Honor. We've we put experts up and we and one says it was wrong and the other says it was right and they're very technical issues and the juries have trouble with cases like that. And so you'd be taking out of the hands of the contractor the flood elevation, putting it into the hands of a jury. And those standards differ from county to county and state to state. And so all of the cases that talk about obstacle preemption and the goal of having uniformity under the statute 
are are manifestly harmed by placing that determination into the hands of the jury. Counsel, do are are there so, federal remedy? Counsel, are there federal remedies available for someone harmed by a federal contractor uh, in in facts like this? I, I don't think in facts like this there would be a federal remedy against STAR. There are federal remedies against FEMA in the form of the inverse condemnation action that needs to be brought in the federal court of claims. They are not without a remedy, but if a remedy is provided against the flood mapping contractor, you will, you know, the purposes of the NFIP are to provide expeditious identification of flood prone areas per the statute. Um, and if you get tied up in litigation, like in this case, which has been pending for almost three years, you, you delay that process. If you end up having to expand the floodplain because of a jury finding, you end up costing the national treasury more money because now more people are el eligible for the benefit. It's been are, pending for three years and it's at the pleading stage. What, what, what's been the cause for the delay? It, it, this is just how it proceeded through the court. But no discovery, counsel. But that, and, right? And the other, the other thing I would add, um, no, no discovery, but the other thing I would add, if you look at, um, to your point, Judge Benton, there, there are places in the complaint where there are distinctions made between FEMA and STAR. In paragraph 95, the plaintiff alleges that the Doe defendant made the change at issue. And in paragraph 111, the plaintiff alleges that Doe is a FEMA employee. So there is that distinction. And I would also add that you, this, this case suggests that the FEMA contractor is a guarantor against flood damage and creates a reliance interest in people who are purchasing properties, in this case, seven years after the determination is made. In paragraph 51 of the plaintiff's complaint, they allege that their property sits only two to three inches above the floodplain that they thought existed. So their claim, if taken to its logical conclusion, is that I bought a property that I knew to only be two to three inches above the floodplain, but I was guaranteed by the FEMA contractor. I have a reliance interest against the FEMA contractor that I would never flood. I would never flood because if I knew I was gonna flood, I wouldn't have bought this property. And that's the problem with this. It's, it, I, I, it sounds sensationalist because the allegations in this case are it went up 34 feet and then down 34 feet. I understand that. But you're going to be deciding something that has broad applicability to anybody who's just two to three inches out of the floodplain. And when they get that flood and they sue that contractor, that is going to create an exposure to the FEMA contractor that I predict most engineering companies will want no part of. And they will not well, want to provide. It's paid enough, they counsel. This, this is the old CPA argument. If we're liable for stuff uh, in the securities market, you're going to do away with all the CPA firms and the fees just go up. So but, I, I, don't, I don't know that you're, the fees are your better argument. Proceed. But that's, that's, not my, that's not my argument. That's Judge Scalia's argument in the Boyle case. And it's the Fourth Circuit's argument in Columbia Venture. And it's the district court's argument. These are real concerns. If, if you have thousands and thousands of people just outside of a floodplain who are, by virtue of, a, of an adverse ruling to us in this court, now free to sue the FEMA contractor when there's a flood, that will create so much potential exposure that I can't imagine engineering firms wanting to do this work for FEMA anymore. And even if they do, they're going to charge an arm and a leg for it. 
And that really is the basis of the holding in Columbia Venture and in the federal cases, including the United mm -hmm. States Supreme you, Court. You agree with, uh, you're doing Boyle versus United Technologies, right, counsel? Uh, case uh, I am. I well, am. good. And you agree with the, with the uh, structure there of analyzing the interests and, and, and because that was like the defense cases I was referring to. It is, it is. So you're right. well aware of that line of cases. That is the helicopter case, it is, and, and, and it talks about the specific. So you don't believe you'd ever fit in, because you don't make a product, I heard your argument there. Uh, you don't believe you'd ever fit in, in, in the fact-determinate facts and circumstances. As you know, that's what Boyle's talking about. You look at the interest and you look at how the facts line up. I, quick, dirty summary. Uh, uh, you, you, you don't think you'd ever end up with any liability in any case? I, th I think if, if, if the FEMA subcontractor could be exposed to a lawsuit based on the facts presented here or any fraud or misrepresentation claim based on where the flood elevation is set, then the floodgates of litigation would be so wide open. And, and, and I would also step back and, you know, like the Boyle case is a person that was a single person who was injured in the helicopter. There's a direct there's a direct connection between the personal injury and, and that and that product. You know, what we're talking about here is a determination in the nature of a judicial determination. I mean, if this is an arbiter of where the flood elevation ought to be is really what the start star is really the arbiter of that and kind of like judicial immunity you don't want those folks to have to suffer the the, the problems of having suits brought against them like in the siegel versus rapkin case from the southern district of new york where the surveyor mapping flood elevations was found not to be amenable to suit because of the chilling effect it would have on those services and the fact that it would delay the process that the government so desperately needs in order to have its flood mapping uh, done by contractors. And so I think at the end of the day, Your Honor, I recognize the connection between those factors and boil and the, the cost to the government. But there are so many other issues at play here that would be obstacles in terms of getting this program delivered that I don't think that those factual issues would matter here. Thank you, Mr. Ginsburg. Mr. Stubblefield, your rebuttal. Uh, yes, uh, very quickly. I want to revisit the the obstacles uh, that were that were discussed. Uh, essentially, the the concerns that they're raising uh, don't have any support. I, I mean, the the first issue is we're concerned about backdoor liability costs and those types of things. It's kind of ironic. That, that the star entities are making this argument and, and relying on, on what the trial court said. It, and right in the next breath, they say, oh, well, just go sue FEMA in the federal court of claims. If they were concerned about liability costs and limiting litigation and doing those things, they're essentially just telling us, okay, don't, don't, don't come after us, just go after somebody else somewhere else, leave us alone. Um, the, the, the next issue, these, these uh, costs that are gonna be passed on, uh, based on a floodgate of, of claims. I mean, I think everybody will, can kind of agree in this case that uh, these are very out of the ordinary types of facts. And, and uh, everybody has done research. We filed briefs. We've essentially found two cases which are at least kind of in the ballpark of, of on point uh, in the Columbia Venture case and then the Williams case, which I've cited from the Middle District of, of Pennsylvania. And, and so based on, based on the pretty limited breadth of 
case law out there. I, I'm I'm not terribly concerned about a wide gulf of of new claims being made. And of course, the the elephant in the corner here is this is not a two inch or a five inch modification of the base flood elevation. This is a 34 foot modification of the base flood elevation. Um, and and I, I would submit that I, I don't think we've talked to anybody in this case that has ever heard of anything like this in terms of the 34 foot change. And so uh, I, I would submit that the, the impact of this, at least particularly on these facts, is going to be limited. Um, you know, the, the other concerns about uh, insurance costs and those types of things, we don't have any studies, we don't have any basis uh, cited for, for any of that support. I Before I go, I do want to quickly highlight this Williams case. I understand that, that they are distinguishing it because it is an insurance procurement case. Uh, I understand that. Uh, the reason I have cited that, though, is the facts are much closer to the facts of our case than Columbia Venture in the sense that they uh, relied on a representation from a FEMA subcontractor to their detriment. Um, if they had known that information at the time of the purchase, they would not have purchased it and they would not have suffered the, uh, suffered the loss. And moreover, the, the analysis set forth by the Williams case uh, makes a lot more sense in, in the context of our case, particularly in light of, of the NFIA not being implicated. In, in the Williams case, they said it wasn't implicated because that uh, particular uh, contractor actually gave back the insurance money. Oh, Williams, and, not a, Williams case was not appealed to the Third Circuit, right? Correct. Okay, and Williams case, has any circuit cited it? Um, I do not believe so. Again, there's, there's not a lot, not a lot of case law out there. And, and so, uh, as a result of that, um, you know, we would submit to the court that based on the particular facts of this case that we have pleaded and we've pleaded misrepresentation and we've pleaded, uh, that specific wrongdoing on the part of FEMA, um, and the star con subcontractors specifically that, uh, we should be entitled to be able to prosecute our case, do our discovery, figure out exactly who with STAR did what, when they did what, and hold them accountable uh, for their particular actions in this case. And I would ask the uh, this court to reverse the ruling of the trial court in dismissing the matter. I don't see any additional questions. Thank you, Mr. Stubblefield. And uh, thank you also, Mr. Ginsburg. The court appreciates counsel's uh, participation in argument before the court this morning and uh, answering our questions. And uh, we will continue to review the materials that are a part of the record and your briefing and uh, render decision in due course. Thank you. Counsel may be excused.